Ezekiel has very strong words for us all the time, and today is no different. And the way I want to kind of illustrate or kind of get our minds around what Ezekiel is telling us this morning is to talk about zombies. Everyone familiar with zombies? There's lots of movies out there for zombies. I have a few of them that I've enjoyed watching over the years, one called I Am Legend, which is a Will Smith movie, and another one a little older, a little different slant, Shaun of the Dead. Everybody familiar with these? Yes, two different kinds of movies. One's kind of humorous, one's more serious, post-apocalyptic kind of thing. But they both have a number of things in common in the zombies genre. Let me give you just a few. There is an outbreak of zombie activity. We don't always know how or why, but it's widespread. Zombies are insatiably feeding on humans. That's their food. They're chasing them all over the place. They're insatiable. And finally, once someone is bitten, they're doomed. They are forever a zombie. And that's that's what makes encountering a zombie so scary, is that once you're bitten, you're a zombie. There is no way you're coming back from that. Well, there's one movie out there that I know kind of challenges these assumptions, and it's called Warm Bodies. It's a love story. It's a love story about uh, a zombie boy and a human girl. Uh, the, The zombie doesn't have a heartbeat. He's simply focused on the classic zombie activities. That is, until he meets Julie, the human girl. When he does, for the first time since being a zombie, his heart beats again, and his transformation begins. As with all love stories, they eventually they kiss, and the power of love comes into play, and Zombie Boy becomes fully human again. Because of this zombie-to-human transformation, Warm Bodies is considered a genre-bending kind of movie. It challenges the status quo of zombie culture and makes the case that nobody is permanently lost, not even zombies. Now, zombie movies may not be your thing, I get that, but Let's not miss what this illustration has to offer to us. One, transformation from zombie to human, from death to life, it is possible. It's possible. And love is the basis for Zombie Boy's transformation to humanity. Without love, the other zombies just remain zombies. So transformation is possible, and love is the basis for that transformation. Let's see what Ezekiel has to speak to us in chapter 18. He has a definitive message he wants to share, a a, a choice he wants to emphasize, and and kind of with his language, he overemphasizes it to each individual person in the community. And if I were to summarize what, what Ezekiel is trying to say to Israel in a phrase, I would say it this way. Ezekiel says, you can die to yourself or die in your sins. You can die to yourself or die in 
your sins. Only one way leads to life, and Ezekiel, in Grace and Truth, is trying to show Israel how to live. Chapter 18 is unique so far in the, in the book of Israel because, for the most part, Ezekiel has been talking to the whole community. The whole community. He says phrases like the city of Jerusalem, the house of Israel, the land of Israel. But now he speaks to individuals, asserting that God is fair and will treat each person on his or her own merits. This is a chapter less focused on justice and more focused on individual salvation. So verses 26 and 27 say this. If a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin, they will die for it. Because of the sin they have committed, they will die. But on the other hand, if a wicked person turns away from the wickedness they have committed and does what is just and right, they will save their life. For Israel to hear this message, it would have been a profound point that God would treat each person on his or her own merits. See, we don't struggle with that because in our day and age, we, we deal with hyper-individualism, right? So that, that you know, we hear individualism in this passage is not a big deal. So we won't belabor that point. We all expect to be treated on our own merits, yes? So the thing to focus in on this passage is this transformation is possible, and it is possible both ways. You can die to yourself or die in your sins. Let's look at the transformation from righteousness to death. Ezekiel says that the righteous person who turns from their righteousness and commits sin will die for it. They can move from life to death. How is this? For those of us who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, aren't we the righteous, assured of our place in heaven? Yes, perhaps, but only God will judge between us and heaven. I don't think Ezekiel is talking about the eternal here, heaven and hell. I think he is talking about our relationship with God here and now. Transformation is possible in our lives, to go from a right relationship with God to a dead relationship with God. Remember from our study uh, in the book of Romans, we talked about righteousness. And one of the ways you can define righteousness is a right relationship with God. Righteousness is a gift given from God to those who have faith in him and are obedient. As Christ followers, you have been given the gift of righteousness, a right relationship with God. Abraham was called righteous through his obedience to God. And I would even say that Adam and Eve pre-fall were considered righteous. As with any relationship, it's a gift, righteousness. One that must be stewarded and invested in. When that relationship is taken advantage of through our choice to, to sin against it, abuse it, to cheat on it, then, as James says it, sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. Relational death. Consider Genesis 2. God tells Adam and Eve that they were permitted to eat anything from the garden, right? Except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If, you, if they did eat of it, 
God told them that their consequence would be that they would certainly die. The word there, die, in Hebrew is muth. And it means what it says, to, to die, to cease living. So as we know, Adam and Eve, they decide to eat of the tree. And what happens to them? Do they physically die? No. They don't physically die. They're actually banished from the garden, creating a sever in their relationship with God. The death they were certain to die didn't turn out to be physical, but relational. It seems to God, relational death is on the same level as physical death. Do you know where the relational death and division is in your life? Is it with friends? With roommates? Neighbors? Spouse? Parents? Children? We all have relational death and division in our lives. If we don't address it, if we don't share our hurts, seek understanding, and so importantly, offer forgiveness, we will slowly die relationally with others in ourselves, and with God. Muth, we will certainly die. But Jesus gives us the antidote to relational death in Matthew 5. He says this, If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift to God reconciliation is more important to praising him in the sanctuary. For God, reconciliation is praise. There is no faster way to become a zombie in your faith than to have hidden sin, particularly unforgiveness. You will become like the Pharisees who Jesus called whitewashed tombs pristine on the outside, but dead on the inside. Some of us, we live like these whitewashed tombs, as Christians even, because we think that the title Christian is going to save us. But not even the name Christian will keep you in a right relationship with God if you keep choosing sin and harboring unforgiveness. Lineage and title didn't even help the Jews, who were descendants of Abraham, through whom God's covenant promises were going to come directly. No, Abraham actually shows us that it's our practices over our positions which demonstrate that our faith and our relationship with God are alive. Our practices over our positions. So James 2 says it like this. You foolish person. I love that intro. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless or dead? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's 
friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. You see that? A right relationship with God is not just faith in God alone, a position to simply sit in. No, it is faith in action. It's our practices. Abraham's faith in action grows his relationship with God, and he is considered God's friend. What is the greatest thing one friend can do for another? John 15, 13 says it this way. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Do you want to be God's friend? Then lay down your life. Die. Die to yourself and to your pride. You can die to yourself or die in your sins. When you choose to die to yourself, to your will, your plans, and your ways, you choose to believe that transformation is possible. To believe that a zombie faith can be a faith alive again. This is the transformation now the other way, from death to life. Verse 30 of our scripture today is this. Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Don't let unforgiveness be your downfall. Rid yourself of all your sins. Do Root out relational death through forgiveness and receive the new heart and new spirit God has prepared for you. But let's kind of deal with the elephant in the room. Forgiveness is hard. It's messy. It's painful. And personally, for me, it doesn't exactly get at that eye-for-an-eye kind of justice that I want. You see, the way that I struggle with it in myself is this. This is what I would kind of say. You wronged me, you know it, and I know it, and I want what is just and right, which is for you to feel the same pain or more that you caused me. So I hold back my forgiveness and hope that it hurts you. And this is the down-to-earth reality of forgiveness or unforgiveness. You can tell I have experience with such things. What I noticed too late um, are the consequences of harboring unforgiveness. It actually became the root of all sorts of uh, anger and sins in my life that I, I did not intend for, but were definitely connected, rooted in this unforgiveness that I harbored. And I relate so much to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 7. Maybe you do too. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Forgiveness is not easy. Transformation from death to life is not easy. So how does anyone do it? What's the impetus? What is the driver for anyone 
who wants to transform from a dead relationship with God to a right relationship with God, to become God's friend. What is the driver? What is the root? It's love. Love is the basis for any transformation towards a right relationship with God. It is love and only love that a person will choose to die to themselves and live unto God's ways. Only through love will one repent, turn from their old life and get a new heart, get a new spirit. In this way, a dead relationship with God will become a right relationship with God, a friendship. In this way, Ezekiel says, a wicked person will save their life by doing what is just and right in God's eyes. So we see how transformation is possible both ways. Those who were once dying in their relationship with God. Sorry, let me say that again. Those who were once righteous, dying in their relationship with God through continued sin. That's one way. The wicked saving their lives and entering a new and right relationship with God. That's the other way. We resonate with these these ideas from Ezekiel because it's everybody getting or being judged and getting what they need or deserve through their own merits. We all resonate with that. Everyone's getting what they deserve. And that seems good and right to us. But friends, there's a greater reality here at play. It goes beyond our wisdom into great, mysterious love. Let's get into it this way. Did Jesus only die for his friends? Again, that John 15 passage says this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command, says Jesus. This Jesus, who showed himself to be Lord and Savior, would go to the cross and die for the salvation of others. Did he just die for his friends? For those who did what he commanded? Did he just die for the righteous? Romans 5 has something to say about that. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Is the cross only for those who can make themselves righteous through their own merits? On the contrary, Jesus went to the cross for all who need a Savior. Jesus, because of great and holy power of love, died for us all, for all of us, while we were still ungodly and still sinners. While we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. Yet from from Jesus' point of view, we're his friends. He knew we were at odds with God. Yet he viewed us as friends, and the way he demonstrates what he believes is through his death for us. 
What happens when a righteous person through love dies for those who consider him an enemy? This is what happens. He saves all of his enemies. So when Jesus died for us, his enemies, but also us, his friends, he saves us all. This is the scandal of the cross. What is fair in our eyes, everyone getting what they deserve through their own merits, gets turned on its head because of God's love for his people. Just like the movie Warm Bodies became a genre-bending movie by showing zombies can become human again through love, so also Jesus becomes the reality-bending God, bringing all to life, even enemies, through love. Before, Jesus rarely, if ever, had a wicked person become righteous. But now, through Jesus, the rare becomes the new reality. The new reality being that all people at all times have access to a right relationship with God through Jesus' death and resurrection. The new reality, it is a gift. The gift of life with God. And has been made available to you by Jesus' faith put into action. Jesus, just as Abraham put his faith into action, so Jesus put his faith and love into action so that you may have life and you may have it abundantly. What will you do with this gift of life that is being put into your hand today? Whether you claim the name Christian here today or not, you have an opportunity to respond to Jesus about this gift of life he is putting into your hand. The walking dead don't need to stay dead forever. Today, accept the gift of life from Jesus Christ.